for this uh, meeting this morning. This is a meeting of the Portfolio Committee on Health to receive briefings from the SAMRC this morning and at 2 o'clock to receive a briefing from SAPRA on the annual performance plans and the budgets for the financial year 2022-2023. Also welcome to all of the members of the public who have joined and also the media houses. I see that we have Channel 405 Newsroom, Zoom on the platform as well as Parliament YouTube. So, uh, honorable members, I will ask you to switch on your cameras when you do speak, and that will be for all of our guests and those doing the presentations this morning, so that we are able to uh, be able to see those who are speaking. So, you're all very welcome to this meeting this morning. Ms. Machalamba is away on a bereavement. Uh, leave and we have Ms. Nombali Makubane who will be introducing, uh, giving our attendance and our apologies this morning. Um, we will then after that go to our PLO, Mr. Joe Hatla to tell us who has joined from the department side if they have joined. And uh, then we will go on to the Business of the day. Ms. Magobani? Good morning, Chair and the members. In the meeting, we have Dr. Jacobs, Mr. Munyai, Ms. Kela, Dr. Harvard, Mr. Siwela, Ms. Wilson, Ms. Ishmael, Dr. Tembeguayo, Ms. Shira. I have one apology from Mr. Van Staden. Thank you very much. We uh, we also have an apology of uh, Honorable Imam Sheikh will be in and out of the meeting due to participating in uh, another in another meeting simultaneously. Thank you very much, Honorable Members, for attending this morning. Uh, Mr. Joe Hatla, do you have any members? Yes, from good the morning. Department? Good morning, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Yes, uh, the, the department is represented by the, the director that is respons responsible for public entities uh, and, and the staff from the ministry. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much. And uh, Honorable Members, before I'm going to welcome the representatives from the SMRC, I would have to read through this preamble again. To remind you that this virtual meeting is deemed to be in the precinct of Parliament and therefore constitutes a meeting of a committee of the National Assembly for official purposes only. In addition to the rules of virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate, apply. Members in a sitting of the National Assembly, members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to have been said to the House and may be ruled upon. All members of LogIn shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when requested to speak. This is because the microphones are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention of other members. 
when recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of the screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his hand in order to raise points of order. The secretary will assist in alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. When using the virtual system, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. I will now invite the uh, president of the and CEO of the SAMRC, Professor Glenda Gray, and the chair of the board, Dr. Madikizela, to um, to introduce the team um, and uh, and to take us forward into the presentation. We'll go straight to that presentation. We will allow you. It is now nine thirty-five. We will allow you up to about. Uh, Order to 11, 10 to 11, so that we have enough time for interactions. And we are very mindful also of the loan shedding, which would mean that some members are not present at the particular time and join later, or some lost their connectivity in between. So uh, we managed to do that yesterday, and we'll do our best to do the same today. And we'd hope to finish at about five minutes to 12 today. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Are you able to hear me? Yes, we are able to hear you fully. I don't know who was doing the introductions of your team. Yeah, we just had a bit of load shedding. So we're back in. And I want to introduce my chair, Professor Johnny Mishangu. And we have other members of the board here. Professor Linda Skull, Professor Eunice Dekui, Professor Khaled Dandara, Professor Emmanuel Makweva, and Dr. Mzi Marikazela, and Ms. Jim Williams. And I'm going to hand over to my chair, who's going to start the presentation um, and, um, and, 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 um, and uh, introduce um, the, the first part of the uh, presentation. So thanks. Um, over to you, Johnny. Um, thanks very much. Yeah, just my apology to you, Johnny, uh, Dr. Mislango. I did say the wrong name as the president, uh, as the chair, but you're welcome. Thank you. So, um, uh, Johnny, I'll, I'll advance this, the, the slides for you. Um, are they showing? Yes, they are showing. Thank you very much. And, and good morning, uh, honorable members of the Portfolio Committee on Health. Uh, thank you, uh, honorable chair, Dr. Jacobs, uh, for inviting us uh, you know, to this accountability interface. Uh, I'm accompanied uh, by several MRC board members, uh, uh, and, and of course, this is the accounting authority, and, and of course, the, the, the MRC executive members uh, who are led by Professor Gray. Mine is to make uh, a few welcome remarks uh, and then hand over to the executive management committee uh, team members uh, to take you through the detailed presentation. Uh, I hope you have received uh, the 10-part electronic document uh, comprising 113 pages that has been uh, sent through to you. Uh, the focus today is going to be 
the annual performance plan, um, which is detailed in sections C and G. Uh, and we hope that we have actually supplied enough data and information to give you the comfort that the MRC continues to execute its mandate in a committed and exemplary fashion. Um, next slide, please. Um, we just want to know who, um, uh, we think that who's, who's sharing um, at the moment. I think we are, we're just going to just stop this. Um, uh, we're on another computer. We just had to move to another computer. So we're just going to stop sharing. Sorry, Chair. No um, problem. Uh, just exit that computer and let's start sharing. Just exit, I think. Close. Close that. There we are. Okay. Um, can you see now? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still still seeing uh, slide okay. number two. You stop sharing if you can reshare. We're going to reshare now. This one. Yeah. You can move straight to slide number four. Okay. Again, can you see that now? Uh, we're seeing the first slide. If you can just uh, advance to slide number four. Okay, sorry. Um, we're going to just, sorry, we just had to swap computers because of load shedding. Okay, there we are. Um, slide, we're going to go to slide four. Slide four, please. Okay, there we are. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, the MRC annual performance plan is drawn from the current 2020-2024 five-year strategic plan that we have. The um, annual performance plan reflects the strategic goals and objectives that we endeavor to achieve in the current 2022-23 financial year. The annual performance plan was developed by the executive uh, committee members under the guidance of the board and is endorsed by the Minister of Health, who is uh, our executive authority. Next slide, please. The board would like to highlight uh, several areas of focus uh, in this financial year. Firstly, uh, obviously, we, we do need to execute our strategic plan which has reimagined the organization and set it to make further impact in the disease burden in South Africa. And secondly, uh, we are focused on transformation uh, in science, in particular, uh, by responding to the national context. Uh, we are looking at the science landscape uh, and where interventions are needed, uh, we are uh, set to increase the small critical mass uh, in, in our continent. And thirdly, uh, we are mindful of the fiscal constraints that all of us function under. In this regard, uh, in fact, we continue uh, to be prudent as to where the uh, allocations to the MRC uh, is actually used. Uh, you will see in the presentation that less than 20% is actually used in administration. So the lion's share is actually going towards the conduct and the funding of the research, which is our mandate. And then uh, lastly, we are committed uh, to decreasing the disease burden in South Africa through a number of uh, interventions. Cutting edge in innovations is one, uh, and you've seen uh, recently uh, the rollout of the vaccines, uh, the improvement in the diagnostic landscape, and many others that you'll hear about. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, 
this is not possible, of course, without a very sound uh, and, and stable governance framework. The MRC board um, uh, takes the lead uh, in supporting uh, the organization in executing uh, all of its mandate. The board, of course, uh, is uh, then uh, uh, mandated to uh, work together with the executive committee uh, under the leadership of our CEO, uh, Professor Gray, uh, and you'll hear more about uh, what they have achieved uh, in this uh, financial year. Next slide, please. The board members, of course, are predominantly non-executive board members. These are uh, distinguished scientists. Uh, and of course, we do have um, legal and financial expertise within the board. Uh, we work within the framework of health in South Africa, and therefore, uh, in all of what we do, uh, we include the National Department of Health, who are present in many of our activities, uh, including all of our board meetings. Uh, next slide, please. The uh, SAMRC board, uh, for those uh, uh, honorable members that have not met them before, uh, are shown here. Um, we do have seven of these uh, board members uh, in, in this meeting today. Uh, next slide, please. They uh, constitute themselves into three highly functional committees. These are the Audit, Risk, and IT Committee, the HR and Remuneration Committee, as well as the Research and the Development Committee. Uh, Chair, that is all I wanted to share with you. I would now hand over to the CEO to take you through uh, the remainder of the presentation. Uh, over to you, Professor Gray. Thank you, Chair. Um, are you able to hear me? We can hear you very well. Great, thank you. So thank you very much, Chair, and we want to just acknowledge um, the great work that the board has done and the support, how supportive the board is of our, of our work, and um, we're very grateful for the good governance that the board has given us. So we just want to acknowledge the board and um, acknowledge the, the effort that you put in to making sure that um, the MRC flourishes. So just a great an acknowledgement to everybody who's on, on the who's here present and those who could not make it. So I'm just going to just um, talk about our, um, our, um, our strategic plan and, and just to emphasize that the, the APP that we present reinforces our efforts um, across the five strategic programs of our MRC. And that is to make sure that we administer the health research in an effective and efficient manner and um, make sure that the research money goes, goes to the researchers and doesn't get stuck in administration. We committed to the generation of new knowledge and not only just generating new knowledge, but to make sure we translate what we learn into policy and practice. Uh, we committed um, in supporting innovation and technology transfer in South Africa, and we have a vibrant program um, that, that ensures that our innovations um, go, go, get to people. And we'll talk about that a bit later. But of course, um, we can't do research in South Africa if we don't build sustainable um, um, health researchers. And we committed to capacity development and to making sure that um, the researchers, health researchers in South Africa, um, in our, 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 um, reflect the demographic and the ge geography of our country. And um, as I've mentioned before, we also committed to research translation. So we have pioneered cutting edge innovations 
We've um, contributed to the development of novel treatment regimens, um, vaccine development and testing, diagnostic tools, uh, new drugs and devices. And this is all aimed at the improvement of the health status of people in South Africa. We have a mid-career scientist program that looks at um, um, as health scientists in, in, the, in their mid-career and, and, and gives them grants to enable them to, to become the next science leader in the country. Our transformation um, in science is a critical part of our strategy. And um, we are seeing that by interventions that more women and black South, African, South Africans are the beneficiaries of our master's and doctor's program. And one of, the, one of our flagship programs is the Bongani Mayosi um, um, uh, program, which, which aims at getting, gets, getting clinical uh, people in the, in the clinic um, or people in the hospital to become research vibrant. And we've had um, 47 graduates and 87 of these have been in PhDs and um, in various health professions, dentists, doctors, OT, nurses, and um, of of these um, of of the 38 of of these 38 women that have completed, 16 have been um, have been Black South Africans. So because of the the tight fiscal environment, um, we we want to make sure that we are efficient um, and that we have clean audits and, and that we are always guided by the PFMA. We have forged partnerships over many frontiers, both north, south, southeast. South South, and we remain, um, and these all remain critical in furthering our mission as we roll out our strategic plan. During COVID, we reorientated our research funding to allocate researchers to surveillance, um, the development of diagnostics, therapeutics, immunological research, and vaccine development. And we collaborate with BioVac and Afrigen in the establishment of the mRNA hub in South Africa as an endeavor to, to support vaccine development on the continent beyond COVID um, and also looking at other diseases like TB and HIV and malaria. And we also um, forged the collaboration of Patrick Sun-Shiong uh, to develop a scholarship program that will advance the development of, of biomanufacturing capability in our country and enhance our capability in vaccine discovery, evaluation and manufacturing. We have, um, um, you know, our APP has been approved by our Minister of Health. Uh, we also have had the APP tabled in Parliament. Um, and I'm now going to talk about um, how we govern our research. And so we, we, um, we have a mandate to, to, to fund and conduct research in South Africa. We focus on the top 10 causes of death and disability and associated risk factors. Um, um, and the data that we use um, must um, be accurate so that it can inform policymakers. Um, our mission I want to just emphasize is, um, is to advance the nation's health and quality of life, as well as addressing in the inequity by conducting and funding relevant and responsive research, and then also to ensure that we address capacity development and um, innovation and research translation. We, we operate under the South African Constitution, specifically the, the Bill of Rights, the, um, the Chapter 10 Public Administration, and Chapter 13 Finance. Um, other legislative mandates that we operate under include the National Health Act, our MRC Act, Intellectual Property, Employment Equity, the Basic Conditions of Employment, the PFMA, the Relevant Treasury Guidelines, the Patents Act, the Copyright Act, um, the Poppy Act, and others. Um, that, are, that are important. 
Um, we contribute to the National Development Plan. We also contribute to the NHI, NHR policy and the National Health Insurance Bill and also um, ensure that our research addresses the issues of SDGs, particularly good health and well-being, gender equality, reduced inequalities and climate action. Um, in terms of our medium-term strategic framework between 2020 and 2025, we focused on um, the strengthening of um, our, 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 our governance system, um, ensuring that um, we've increased the gross expenditure on research and development, um, building programs and interventions at universities. Um, we've also made sure that we have um, we've consolidated our social wage for quality basic services, and we work um, with Nihawu um, as um, 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 in, in, um, in, in, at the MRC. In terms of um, uh, we're supporting enterprise development um, on townships, we um, um, address the, um, the, um, the triple B EE um, program um, in, as a priority five. Priority six, um, uh, there's representation of designated groups across occupation levels. And we'll we'll speak a little bit more later on our HR practices and transformation agenda. And then um, we also committed to investment for certain sections of the economy, and this will particularly be around um, the uh, vaccine manufacturing and the mRNA hub and other vaccine platforms that uh, we are involved in. In terms of our policy mandates, um, you know we contribute um, government to government um, with bilateral agreements with with many countries. Um, particularly the BRICS, um, we've emphasized. Uh, we also work in SADC and also work in the rest of Africa with the AU and the Africa CDC. Um, in terms of our BRICS program, we work um, in TB uh, with Russia and India. Uh, we work um, in, um, in HIV also in, with India, childhood obesity in, in India and, and China. NCDs, we collaborate um, also um, with, 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 um, with China and, and India. And genomics and COVID research, uh, we've, we've been engaged in, 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 in the BRICS area, um, uh, notably with, with China and the, the inactivated vaccine. Um, in terms of WHO, um, we represent, um, uh, we, we are represented in the, in the TB uh, uh, program and, um, in, in, and, and sit on, uh, on some of their strategic boards to address um, issues around um, TB um, R&D, um, TB vaccines, and to continue um, emphasizing the, the need for TB research for, for, um, for um, treatment. And, um, as we move forward with climate change and, um, and in the future, we've seen the emergence of antimicrobial resistance. And so the MRC uh, funds both surveillance in South Africa on antimicrobial resistance and programs, but also collaborates at a global level to bring repurposed um, um, antibiotics and new antibiotics into the market for lower middle income countries. And for this, um, I sit on the global and, um, antibiotic R&D platform um, that, that spearheads us at a global level. We also work with them at a, at a local level on, 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 on um, antibiotics, particularly in um, those for those of communal infections and in the neonatal um, ICUs of our, of our, of our, in the hospitals in our country. We, we continue to collaborate with many funders, um, including the NRF, um, the NIH, the Canadian Institute for Health Research, EDCTP, the Gates Foundation, the Newton Fund, UK MRC Solidarity Fund, the Alma Philanthropies, and the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation um, to leverage work um, where um, there is common interest. Um, we also 
support the interventions of other government departments, especially the Department of Science and Innovation and the Department of Higher Education. And we also worked um, with the Department of Basic Education, particularly around the schools during COVID. Um, we collaborate with the NRF and other science councils and the universities in South Africa. Um, in terms of our policy mandates, um, uh, we adhere to the National Health Act and um, all the other acts that I think I've mentioned before in, in one of my previous slides. Um, we also uh, support, um, 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 in terms of our governance, we, we have a, a research misconduct policy, we have a knowledge information and data management policy, we are developing guidelines on gene editing, and we adhere to the South African GCP, and we have an open access policy um, to ensure everybody in South Africa and on the continent can access um, the, the publications that, that, we, that um, we, we fund. Um, we have a business continuity plan, and um, we've implemented a, work, a, a mandatory um, workplace policy on COVID vaccination, which we can also talk about um, later. In terms of um, um, uh, um, in terms of the, uh, the reports, uh, I'm going to go to part C here, and just to say that um, we take these interactions with the parliamentary committee very seriously, and um, um, and or, and we note all the recommendations made by the parliamentary committee. And this slide just shows you um, some of the issues that you brought up last year, and and our response um, um, on the right. And just to say that we um, we really enjoy these interactions with you, and your your interventions do do result in actions from the MRC side. In terms of human resources, I'm going to again hand over to Antoza, who's our new HR executive. I'm going to ask you to come sit. Oh, can you sit here, Antoza? Can you see? Um, I'm not too sure if you can, you can see there, but it's over. Sorry. We play musical chairs here because of the um, our, our power outage. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brenda. Uh, good morning, honorable members. I'm Joseph Palm, the Executive Director of Human Resources. I'll take you through a few slides that talks to Human Resources, MRC. Uh, you see there the Executive Management Committee, uh, sometimes called Top Management of MRC, a Professor Lisa Zucker, who's an extra mural research unit and internal uh, portfolio who started uh, this year, 1st of February 2022. And then Dr. Michelle Melda, who's been with uh, MRC, but moved to the top management uh, June 2021. Uh, Mr. Nick Cook, Chief Financial Officer, uh, Prof. Angela Mate, who's our Executive Director, Transformation, Mr. Mzimfian Popo, who's our Legal Counsel, and Dr. Monge Zimzoli, who's our Chief Research Operations Officer. Thank you. Uh, this slide is uh, the headcount of MRC is about 624 as 31st of March 2021. Uh, the emphasis there on professional, qualified specialists and skilled technical academic qualified is a pipeline that is a feeder to the top management and the senior management uh, levels levels of the of, of our organization uh, as uh, briefly as you can see there that uh, the African females is about 40 that are, are now currently professionally qualified specialists uh, and Indians are 25 females um, color is 26 uh, and white is 27 if you look at our skills 
technical, academically qualified. Uh, 110 is black African females. Um, Indian females is 28. Uh, 45 is colored females. And six is white females. The emphasis there is that the, 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 talent, the deliberate and structured talent management that MRC is embarked upon uh, recognizes that it takes a long time to develop scientists. So this is a very good pipeline to address the senior management where we need to, uh, to ensure that we, we address the imbalances and ensure that the demographics are diversified for the for MRC. Thanks, Moses. Uh, this slide is talking to the gender as well as the race of MRC. Uh, you can see there that uh, close to 50% of the account of MRC is actually black, the product definition, uh, and 10% is, uh, is white, uh, 22%. There is, um, is colored, and then 13% uh, is Indians in our employee. And then in terms of the gender, uh, we've got more females, about uh, 20%, and then 30% uh, is, is, is males. Thank you. The top management at, uh, of, of MRC that I talked about earlier on, uh, 37%. Uh, we've come a long way since 2014. Uh, we have transformed the, the top management of MRC. Uh, we have 37% uh, of Africans, and then we've got 25% color, and we've got 37% uh, white colleagues, and then at this point in time, we do not have Indians. Uh, and then if you look at the gender side, 62% of the top management uh, is, um, is, uh, is, is, is females, one African female, two colored females, and two white females. And then we've got 37.5% of our male colleagues, and two Africans and one white. Uh, this is the last slide from the HR side of things. Uh, it's senior management uh, without the top management as the 31st of March 2021. 51% uh, uh, of our senior management is male, and then there's a good balance uh, where we have a close to 49%. Uh, being female. So uh, from the uh, from the gender point of view, uh, we, we are balancing nicely there. And then if you look at the other side of the race, uh, again, uh, this is where work needs to be done. We continue to strive. And with a very good pipeline in the field, as I said earlier on, uh, where we need to uh, have 44% of our senior management is currently white. Uh, and then uh, we have uh, 6% African, 16% uh, Indian, and 20% are colored. And uh, foreign nationals is 12%. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, yes, uh, if you thank you, Glenda. Uh, if you look at our uh, time management, uh, we are concentrating on the natural attrition and our retirement. If you look at the cohort of the white uh, uh, colleagues, about uh, 60% uh, in the next five years are going to, restrict, uh, to retire. Hence, we've got this deliberate integrated talent management to ensure that when we have opportunities, then we address uh, the, not only science, but also address transformation. Thank you.
So we're going to ask Angie Mati. Um, Angie, are you on? She was um, she's been having some. Um, are you? So we'll advance the slides for you. So, so we would, yes. today we would like to introduce um, Prof. Angie Mati. She is a she she sits on the EMC and she represents um, the the portfolio of transformation. So Angie, over to you. Um, thank you. Next slide, please. Thank you. I'd like to talk just a little bit about uh, what we've achieved over our past five-year transformation strategy and our thinking as we are crafting our new transformation strategy for 2022 to 2026. Um, but first, I'd like to just say that the MRC is currently in the process of reviewing and reimagining how we structure uh, the intramural space and how we arrange them. So we've established a working group back in February this year, and they are tasked with undertaking a broad consultation process across all our units and to propose a revised structure for the MRC. They will also be considering the financial, the human resources, and the transformation implications of the structure that they propose. And they are also required to evaluate the risks and propose risk mitigation strategy. So we're expecting that report uh, from the committee to be submitted to the EMC in June of this year. The next slide, please. So our past strategy, 2017 to 21, has yielded uh, some progress. We've increased the proportion of Black Africans overall in, as Ntorza Bam said earlier on, in the semi-skilled, skilled, technical and professional categories. And that will provide us with a feeder group uh, to address the senior management category, which will be the key focus of our strategy over the next five years. We've increased the proportion of Black Executive Management Committee members. The majority of our funding for management and leadership, about 72%, now goes to Black Africans. Uh, we have uh, awarded flagship projects uh, for emerging scientists that provides them with an extraordinary opportunity to grow as leaders in science. And we've increased our scholarships and grants to Black African students and researchers. Um, and then we also have had a special program for HDIs, uh, giving support in terms of capital equipment, operational support, and capacity developments uh, through a range of programs, including our wastewater surveillance program. So for the upcoming five-year strategic period for transformation, we will, of course, continue with the current projects that are have proven to be effective, such as the Executive Management Committee scrutiny of all senior appointments to make sure that transformation has been considered, supporting further education, providing leadership and management skills, and a range of other initiatives. Going forward, we are broadening and deepening our approach to transformation. We will be focusing on matters such as unconscious bias to reduce uh, prejudice within the organization uh, from invisible factors. Uh, and, so, and we'll be providing training in that regard. We'll also be focusing on intrapersonal development, uh, ensuring that these higher levels of self-awareness and self-knowledge as a powerful platform for self-improvement. Uh, so reflection at the level of team and the level of the individual will be important in that regard. And also identifying people's personal individual strengths, helping them to build the bows so that they become 
um, as powerful as they can be within the organizations. Uh, research going forward will focus mainly on teams, so we need to make sure that our teams are as strong as possible, and so we'll be cultivating skills like emotional intelligence, um, teams coaching, and listening skills. And then in addition to the past, where we focused mainly on redress of past wrongs and prejudice, we're now also having a future focus, so we want to make sure that our organization is fit for the 21st century which is going to be so strongly uh, uh, characterized by volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and um, ambiguity. So what we've done to date is embark on a widespread consultation process in the organization to understand the invisible barriers uh, to flourishing, people's lived experiences within the organization, and we've expanded our definition to include uh, the future. We have a multi-dimensional approach it looks at systems, individuals, groups, and people's beliefs and worldviews. Uh, Professor Glenda Gray has taken a number of steps to strengthen the machinery for transformation, including uh, appointing or, or uh, holding the transformation office within her own office, appointing an executive director for transformation, strengthening our transformation forum, and ensuring that transformation is a partnership of the transformation office human resources and finance. Uh, human resources will lead a process on culture and values. And we will, we've had a couple of pilot initiatives. They're very, very promising. So that is infusing us substantially. And we'll have programs that are directed at both individuals as well as our key target groups in, in, um, in senior management. Next slide, please. And this is just to say that we also uh, taking up our broad-based Black Economic uh, Empowerment Compliance. And this is a letter from the agency appointed to review the MRC in this regard. Uh, so this process is underway. Um, that's it from me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm ask President Rizal to take us to the next section. Thank you very much, um, Professor Gray. Thank you, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members of the Portfolio Committee. Um, it's my pleasure to present a few slides on our extramural research unit, and it is appropriate to put this after the transformation um, because it actually speaks directly to the tangible plans that we have instituted in this regard. Um, the slide actually shows that very well, where you can see um, depicted here some of our new units. This was um, in 2019 combination of units that were uh, awarded in 2018 and then 2019, but it speaks to two very specific um, strategic strategies. Uh, the one is to increase women uh, unit directors, and the second is to increase Black African uh, unit directors. It's important to bear in mind that our unit directors are world-class scientists in this field. Um, they have all been internationally peer-reviewed, and uh, the signs that have been produced are of the highest level, and again, appropriate for our country, our global region, um, with uh, international impact. The other thing to um, also note is that these units become incubators of our future scientists um, and also create links between the SAMRC and all the tertiary institutions um, that they represent. Um, in this um, photograph, again, 
are the women unit directors. This was a strategic call in 2018 uh, for women um, that um, resulted in some excellent uh, applications. We were able to award three full units uh, and three half units. And then this is our most recent call, again, focus call for um, uh, black African black extramural unit directors. Uh, we had four shortlisted unit directors. All of them were funded because of the incredibly high level of scientific expertise and more so also the fact that they represent areas of, um, of need in our um, health agenda. So I will introduce you to them um, from the University of Johannesburg, Professor Nancy Kaswana Mafuya. You can see her area is in epidemic research, which is critical. Professor Colette Dandara, pharmacogenomic research and translational research, again, particularly important, as is the intersection between non-communicable diseases and infectious diseases. The unit director is Professor Tubekan Tusi, and then from the University of Benda, Professor Pascal Brasson, who is focusing on antimicrobial resistance and, of course, global health research, all critically needed in our country and in our region. Uh, just to give you a sense of the demographic profile of our extramural unit, um, unit directors, uh, interestingly enough, more than um, half of them are black um, and 36% of them are women. Um, this is getting closer to being aligned with our demographic um, representation of the country, but I can assure you this is substantially more than you will encounter at um, health faculties um, at other institutions. If we look at the hosting institutions of our extramural research units, again, you note the geographic diversity um, with um, many of the institutions such as Tswane, University of the Western Cape, and um, Venda being represented. And um, finally, I just want to point out one or two of our unit directors and their areas of expertise. In UCT, you may recognize Professor Kelly Shibale involved in vaccine work for malaria. Um, under the WITS group, you may recognize uh, Professor Corin Hoffman, who has worked quite closely in the NHI um, uh, research area. Um, the University of Tswane, represented by Professor Alvaro Fulun, works on herbal medicines. Um, Professor Oko from um, Fort Hare University on water safety, quite crucial. Um, NICD, um, Professor Lynn Morris and Caprisa, uh, Professor Slim uh, Karim has been very involved, obviously, um, over the last two years in the COVID response. Uh, University of Pretoria, I draw your attention in the middle to Professor Zodwa Dlamini. She represents um, the Pan-African uh, Cancer Research Institute. And of course, a strong focus these days on mental health. Um, we have Professor uh, Soraya Sedak from the University of Stellenbosch in the Red Square. Um, again, we are um, focusing particularly on cardiometabolic health. It's a major um, burden of disease. And Professor Tanja Machwa was one of the uh, winners of the 2018 uh, Call for Women is based at the Cape um, 
Peninsula University of Technology. So uh, I just wanted to draw your attention to those, and I'm going to hand over to the next slide uh, to Professor Glenda Grace. Thank you. It's, uh, sorry, it's, oh, it's Mongezi. Thank you, Chair and Honourable Members, and also I would like to thank our board. Uh, so as the MRC, we do not operate in a vacuum. What we have to do, we have to look at the, uh, the landscape. So we, we, we both look at the external landscape as well as the internal one. Just basically, you know, the important thing is to work with the National Health Research Committee, which sets up the research agenda for the, for the country, uh, working under the auspices of the National Department of Health. And we also have to support the changing needs. Uh, as has happened not long time ago with COVID, uh, obviously we had to adapt our research to respond to the changing health needs. The surveys, we conducted uh, uh, the, a couple of surveys, including the TB prevalence survey. We also funding the National Injury and Mortality Survey uh, in the organization. As Progray indicated that uh, we are researching on top 10 causes of mortality and we also in planning to reduce morbidity and improve the health outcomes. Um, so, you know, the, I think the important one is also making sure that we adapt our business activities with the fourth industrial revolution. And we'll see that when we present uh, on, the, on our innovation side, well, how we are responding to that. The next slide is looking at our internal environment. Uh, so we are focusing on funding innovation, as Prof. Dre indicated. We also want to increase the number of PhDs in the organization. As a, as a knowledge-based organization, we have to make sure that our, our researchers have got PhDs. And this is, this is also driven under the auspices of our strategic goal number four. Research translation is important. You know, if you have research and the research that is not translated into policy and practice, it means absolutely nothing to the country. We have to make sure that we, 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 we practice the uh, citizenship uh, by making sure that we translate research into policy and practice. Open science is quite an important one. Uh, there are lots of engagement, making sure that the data is open. And this has become quite important during the COVID uh, pandemic when research was moving so fast that the sourcing of information was quite important. So if you have information that's openly available, to all to access for the better of the uh, future of our, of our people. Also important when you look at the POPIA uh, that has just been uh, promulgated last year, the, the data security use and transfer is quite important, making sure that data that we collect, particularly in our institution where we work with the uh, participants, that we secure their data. And many other things, including maternal and child health, we'll talk about it, later on where we'll show you the examples, how we did it um, on the uh, perinatal mortality. The mental health, I mean, it has become quite important. Uh, we've done survey uh, on uh, the universities in, in the country, but also we are planning to open a research chair in Limpopo uh, on, on mental health. Um, I, I think we spoke about the environmental health under the SDGs. Uh, and also making sure that we get vaccines for some of the neglected diseases. Uh, so the SWOT analysis, I would not go through the entire, the entire SWOT analysis, but safe to say that uh, we, we really value the ex excellent working relationship between the MRC, the board, and the portfolio committee, as well as the NDOH as our strength. We also making sure that um, we have to align our research to the fourth industrial revolution, as I've said, and also make sure that we support the National 
Department of Health in terms of the NHI and UHC. So although we put it as our weakness, we're not, you know, we're just trying to make sure that we keep a focus on it. I think that the, the threats are quite more important. Uh, you know, the diminishing funding um, is it, it's quite an issue. Data security, possibility of scientific misconduct, and, 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 and as well as the cyber security. Uh, so... How do we measure our performance? Firstly, we measure performance through the strategic goals. There's always been our aim to make sure that throughout the period we get a clean audit and making sure also that we do not spend money on administration, um, uh, but we focus our money, most of our money on research. So having said that, what we would like to do is, and what we've been doing all the years, is to make sure that 80% of our budget uh, is spent on research and 20% on, on administration. And we also consistently want to achieve clean audit as in, it's indicated in, in this slide. And you would see that we, we, we managed over the uh, uh, MTF, the past MTF, to go below the 20%. And in this current financial year, 21, uh, 22, that's under review. Um, we're also hoping to be under 20% and also looking at the medium term framework until the end of our strategic plan. And then goal two, you know, that's how, where we produce our publications. And also, you know, we've got a, a strategic plan uh, for five years. You will see the, the, the column on your, the la on your right-hand side, the last column. Uh, this is, these are the outputs that we'd want to achieve over the, over the five-year period. And just to indicate that um, the, it's broken down into 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 couple of years. Um, you know, we're currently concentrating on 21-22, which is under review with the AG, and and the uh, forward-looking. You know, we produce about 700 for the uh, for the indicator 2.1.1 as and other other outputs as we indicated for other indicators. And then we go, and then this is what we do. I mean, we you know during COVID we. Um, um, we managed to produce quite a high impact publications uh, looking at the you know, effectiveness of, of, of some of the uh, COVID vaccines and also the immunogenicity as uh, Prof. alluded to earlier on. With, uh, I don't know, Chair, can you still hear us? Uh, you still just had a low chatting? We can hear you very well. Thank you. Please continue. Could you hear the, me there, Mongesic? Anyone from the SAMRC? Sure. Can you hear us? Sure. Can you hear us? We can, we can hear you very well. Okay, so we, we just had load shading, so I'm just changing the computers. Um, can I carry on? Yes, please do. Let's see how it goes. Okay, thanks, Chair. Apologies for the, for the load shading. Um, 
Can you see the slides, Chair? Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay. So, 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 so then the next uh, slide is, a, is is our goal three, um, which 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 is uh, innovation, and um, you know we, we we want to make sure that um, we we fund innovation as I've indicated earlier on. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, so, so these are our outputs over the uh, five-year period um, uh, on on innovation projects that we would like to fund. And the, this next slide talks to the um, and this slide talks to um, the the indicators relating to strategic goal number three. And then this slide here will talk about the slide in um, on on slide eighty three when I give over to uh, Prof uh, Michelle, uh, Dr. Michelle Mulder, to talk about the innovation projects alongside with the um, messenger RNA and other activities under innovation. And then goal four, this is a growing a pipeline of our scientists. Uh, again, you know, Chair, we've been really um, positive disruption here to make sure that. You know, as uh, uh, Prof. Zorka indicated earlier on, in some areas we are having a a, 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 a a director call. In this case here, you know, making sure that we grow our African as well as um, a black uh, scientists. Uh, so this is the funding for growing a pipeline along the uh, strategic focus. Sorry for the interjection. Could we try to see if we can get the echo away? Does somebody have another device on in the vicinity where you're speaking? Is it still echoing, Chair? It's better now, thank you. Okay, thanks, Chair. Apologies for that. Sorry, it's a uh, load shading. <laughs> and then, Chair, this is just uh, to show uh, some of our outputs in terms of uh, funding under the goal four. You know, some of our students, they managed to get uh, doctorates and others uh, uh, masters from different institutions as indicated in this, on the slide there. And then goal five, research translation, as we also indicated as one of our weaknesses. We say that because we never had it as a goal before, but we currently have it now on our five-year strategic plan, making sure that we translate our, our, our research into policy and practice. And um, these are the indicators. Um, under that, that strategic goal. And then, you know, to show that what we've done, uh, these are some of our outputs in, in terms of uh, informing policy and programs, and also looking at the, the environment, uh, environmental research under the uh, sustainable development goals. And then this, this is one of, one of the key projects or key uh, programs that happened over the year, uh, particularly during COVID that informed you know, several uh, lockdowns uh, where we, we looked at the uh, causes of death over time and, you know, and informed um, the policymakers in terms of uh, uh, the uh, lockdown rules and so on. And then, Chair, I would head over to Mr. Nick Week uh, to talk to the finance slides. Uh, Nick, over to you. 
Thank you very much and good morning, um, Honourable Chairperson and Honourable Members. I'll, I'll just take you briefly uh, through the finances uh, of the organisation and also our budget for 22-23 and our financial strategy. Uh, next slide, please. I think from a, a, a budget strategy point of view, I think we've seen some significant investment uh, both by government and uh, other funders over the last two years in the lockdown period, um, uh, which has been very useful for us in terms of our COVID research. Um, but uh, as you'll see just now, um, um, we are reverting to almost uh, pre-COVID funding levels, um, which means that we've got to keep a very tight um, uh, control over our funding. Um, and as a result of that, um, we obviously, from a headcount point of view, we're only uh, funding critical new posts, um, and then that that is funded through a reduction in vacant posts, so that we don't see an overall growth um, in our in our in our headcount, uh, particularly over the this tight uh, fiscal period that we're currently in. Um, we are giving uh, priority to projects which obviously uh, leverage funding. So, in other words, we will contribute a portion of money and, and the uh, collaborator uh, will contribute at least that same amount of money. And we're seeing that um, it's been very, very useful and obviously helps us to double the investment in some areas and also serves a, with a lot of the funding coming through the SAMRC, it's had a very, very benef uh, beneficial effect uh, on our income growth. Um, we will continue to fund COVID research um, uh, and uh, as the president has, has spoken, we have uh, put in, into significant investments in COVID um, over the last couple of years, and we will continue to do so uh, through contributions, not only from national government, but also from other funders over the NTA period, although that will not be to the same level. Um, uh, we will also continue to use our reserves uh, to invest in our infrastructure to obviously generate um, high quality research outputs over the last few years, we've um, we've consolidated all our staff into own facilities um, in the Cape Town, Durban, and, and Pretoria areas, and we are renovating those buildings to facilitate research in that, as well as invest in in IT um, and laboratory equipment, um, uh, um, particularly in genomics and other areas, uh, which are generating uh, high quality outputs. Um, in 22-23, we have budgeted for a deficit of uh, 18.9 million. Um, and this deficit will be funded from our uh, from the MRC reserves, and obviously without putting any any uh, additional strain on, on the fiscus uh, for the new financial year. Next slide, please. Um, this is the critical slide, which basically shows the numbers um, in detail. Um, you can see that um, our um, last uh, audited outcome, which was 2021 we generated a 79 million uh, surplus uh, compared to a 3.3 million uh, budget deficit, uh, a deficit um, uh, which resulted in, um, if you recall, we received a lot of significant funding right towards the end, I think it was March 2021, where we received 150 million from, from national government for COVID uh, research, uh, and then another 150 million one-off in the current financial year. Um, and that resulted in our applying for a budget uh, deficit in 2021-22. And you can see that our budget adjustment, which was approved, is for a deficit of 122 million rand um, as we've uh, received approval for the carryover of those funds to be uh, invested in the current financial year. 
Um, and you can see that um, in the 2021 financial year, as I mentioned, we've received uh, uh, significant transfers received of 851 million uh, from um, national government. But in 22-23, you can see that drops back uh, to 779 million uh, in the 2022-23 financial year and extrapolating that out, um, you can see that we've only got a 0.7% uh, increase in our base, sorry, that's a decrease in our baseline grant, which means that in real terms, our baseline grant has fallen back to pre-COVID levels and in real terms has uh, decreased. Um, we are, however, uh, will continue to uh, uh, um, fund um, deficits um, over, over the MGF period from our own reserves to ensure that we meet uh, our current financial, uh, uh, contractual commitments. However, as you will understand, that is not uh, sustainable um, uh, uh, going forward uh, 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 further out than the MTF period. Uh, next slide, please. So if I look at uh, uh, the overall summary from uh, uh, over the last uh, three or four years and then projecting into the future, we've seen a revenue increase of 5.1% on average and a baseline grant increase of 10.9% on average. And that's uh, due to the, uh, the last two years worth of one-off injections by national government for which we are very grateful that has helped us with our uh, COVID-19 projects. Um, and our sale of goods and services, which is our current uh, contract research funding, um, has decreased by 2.1% on average uh, over the last few years. Then projecting going forward, our total revenue projected to increase only by 0.3% on average due to the decrease in baseline funding, uh, which is declining by 0.7% over the MTF period um, uh, due to the project-specific funding uh, no longer continuing. Uh, and then our contract fund, uh, research funding will increase by 0.6% on average. So you can see that our revenue over the MTF period will be um, under strain, uh, which will mean that, um, as I say, our deficits will be funded from reserves. Um, uh, and, and so we will try to maintain our expenditure as far as possible, but obviously that um, it's not sustainable for any length of time. Um, our total expenditure uh, increased by 8.1% um, up to 21-22. Um, we have maintained tight control of employee costs, as I mentioned before, uh, which have only grown by 3.4% on average uh, in line with the um, uh, our fiscal uh, direction from government, we've maintained tight control in that area, and our uh, goods and services increased by 9.8% on average. On the expenditure side, in, in, in line with the lower uh, projected revenue, we are expecting our uh, expenditure decrease by 0.7%, that's in line with the lower income. Um, our compensation of employees will increase slightly to 6.5% on average, um, however, spending on goods and services, uh, will we are, we are projecting a decrease of 8.2% on average over the MTF period. Um, if one looks at the um, uh, breakdown of our expenditure and our budget expenditure for 22-23 uh, in, in, in line with the um, uh, our key objectives, uh, Mongezi did mention a 20% target uh, of administration costs. So we've managed to um, maintain below that. Um, in fact, our expenditure average over the last three to four years has been 16.3%. Um, so we, we, we continue to uh, drive efficiencies through our support costs 
um, and efficiencies into our processes to keep those costs low to ma maximize the money that goes into research. Um, core research takes up the, uh, the bulk um, of our spending of 58%, uh, down slightly to 53.6% over the MTF period. Uh, innovation and technology uh, sitting at 19.8% of the total, uh, going up slightly to 22.8% uh, over the MTF. Capacity development, these are the two areas where we are seeing the biggest growth, although they're coming off uh, a low basis. 5.7% um, going to 6.5%, and then research translation, which has only recently add, added to our uh, object, strategic objectives, um, going from 2.1 million, which is obviously a, a pretty low percent of the total, uh, uh, jumping to 4.3 uh, million uh, and a growth rate of 25.9% over the MTF period. And obviously we continue to invest strongly in these new growth areas, uh, objectives uh, as we move forward. Um, we do have a very uh, rigorous risk management process um, where every year we go to the board um, uh, and, and there's a lot of discussion around a strategic risk register uh, and these are the strategic risks for 21-22. Our new risk register is um, going to the board um, uh, for approval in, over the coming weeks. Uh, and you can see that we do have, although there are some 22 risks for 21-22, we only have uh, approximately six uh, risks uh, above the P3 level and none at the P1 level, uh, uh, which are critical. Um, and uh, our risk uh, management appetite says we we are comfortable with risk at the P4 level and we take actions to obviously reduce the risks uh, at a P2, P3 level. Next slide, please. I think that uh, covers the um, uh, finance slides and I'll hand back to you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much. Make uh, an interjection here. Professor Gray, we at slide 68. You have 133 slides. I am a bit concerned with our time constraints, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with um, the load shedding affecting our members. Maybe we can see how we can speed up a bit. Thank you. You actually have 20 minutes left. Did anyone hear me? members, can you hear me speaking? We, we can hear you, Chair. Yes, Chair. Uh, yeah, you we chair. can hear you, Chairperson. Yes, have we then lost uh, the team at the SAMRC? We can hear you. Uh, there's echo there. Yeah. Can you hear us? Yes. Thank you very much. I think some yeah. of these slides... I had a look at your presentation, and I think some of those slides with the pictures, etc., you should skip. Yeah, we're uh, going to skip them. Um, we'll we'll skip them. Um, I'm going to just um, just this, this slide just shows you um, uh, the um, sorry. This slide just shows you the spend on, in diagnostics and um, in COVID. We, we we won't go through this. You'll have you've got a copy of that, and we're going to the next slide. This just shows you some of the 
the investments you've made. I'm going to skip through the surveillance, but to make an emphasis on the investment in genomic surveillance that helped us um, uh, identify Omicron and the beta variant. Go and this shows you how many genomes we've been able to conduct in South Africa. South Africa has been very prolific in um, doing this. Next slide, and this just shows you um, the the data coming out of our surveillance and showing you the emergence of the Omicron variant in the past. Um, we can go through that. Can we just move that through on? Um, and this, this shows you our diagnostics, our investment in diagnostics um, and in, in, in immunology of um, COVID and COVID vaccination. Next slide. And then our investment in both treatment and therapeutics. Next slide. And also in vaccine clinical studies. And most notably, the Sasanki. We also want to acknowledge um, SAPRA, who were a critical partner in helping us um, um, execute um, this, uh, this, this ambitious study. Um, um, and this, we were able to use Sasanki to, to evaluate other vaccines and even evaluate half-dose vaccines in the basis study where we're looking at full-dose Pfizer um, or half-dose Pfizer um, um, after boosting with the, after priming with the, with the A26 vaccine and some collaborations with other people, including China with, um, uh, with Sinovac, uh, Moderna um, and um, with um, other mRNA um, um, interventions and now just shortly collaborating with um, Australian uh, uh, academics uh, looking at their, their vaccine uh, platform for children. This just shows you the, the, um, the, the data in South Africa, the two-dose uh, Pfizer versus the two-dose J&J. This is in press in the NAJM, but reassures uh, the parliamentary committee and the government that both vaccines that we have in our country were effective um, against admissions, hospitalization um, in, um, in during Omicron. So this is very important and reassuring data. Next slide. And this just shows you um, the, the innovations that we have. Um, are you going to do this one? And I'm going to hand over to, to Michelle. Good morning, honorable members and um, honorable chair. So I'm going to finish off the presentation talking about uh, innovation and some of the key highlights. Um, so innovation at the MRC is, um, is implemented through both grant mechanisms as well as specific hands-on assistance with, with um, commercializing and developing products. Um, so some of our grant mechanisms include um, seed funding and the SHIP program. And then we have our tech transfer office, our global health innovation accelerator and uh, the medical device and diagnostics innovation cluster program, which all drive innovation activities through the MRC. And these are just two examples you can see of um, genetic testing and using algorithms for uh, ensuring correct treatment in breast cancer and the Ambiflow device, which I think is well known um, and is saving babies' lives by um, checking for placental insufficiency. The mRNA Technology Transfer Hub is a new initiative started last year. The MRC is driving objective three, which is to develop new mRNA-based uh, vaccine candidates for COVID and other diseases and feed them into a manufacturing pipeline that will happen in South Africa. And this slide really just shows um, the development pipeline and that we are investing in local institutions who are contributing to the different um, parts of this value chain. Um, in, in the amount of around 20 million euros over five years from DSI funding, MRC funding, um, and funding coming through MPP, the Medicines Patent Pool, and, and other funders. So this uh, mRNA-based uh, mRNA technology transfer hub and investments by um, billionaire um, 
Patrick Sanchong have really illustrated the need to build a manufacturing workforce in South Africa for biomanufacturing, given the large increases in um, local production that are either planned or in progress. So this um, is an investment that will um, come to the MRC. It's around 100 million rand over three to four years. And the MRC is, is contributing uh, funding towards that as well. So, um, and it really stemmed from a landscape analysis showing that there's this unprecedented new activity in vaccine manufacturing. And there's this going to be this need for more than 600 skilled scientists to be able to um, actually implement the manufacturing and to develop the vaccines and to make sure that we can produce quality vaccines and other um, biologicals. Um, as I mentioned, the funding will come to the MRC. We will have a steering committee that oversees this, and we are currently designing the program. In the next slide, you will see the three key components of this. There'll be students, uh, studentship or internships, which will train the, the um, limited skilled scientists in uh, molecular biology, biology techniques and process engineering to be able to work um, as technicians and scientists within these biomanufacturing facilities. In the middle are the um, higher levels tra um, trained scientists with MSCs and PhDs who will feed the pipeline and um, also focus on the, on the discovery side. And then finally, we'll look at um, a scholarship or fellowship program to bring um, or to encourage uh, skilled African scientists working abroad to return to South Africa and work in this field. And then just to finish off, some just some key um, achievements which are shown um, uh, through these various phot photographs and um, which we'll go through. This is um, the Sasan Care vaccination, which started with vaccination of the president and the um, then health minister. And if you look in the next slide, you'll see the queues. Um, so there was a high demand and resulted in over 496,000 healthcare workers being vaccinated through a very intense program. There's been a lot of publicity around the MRC's response to COVID, including uh, the results of the Sasanke study and, and the Ensemble study. And in the middle there, the results from the um, genomic surveillance, which we've been supporting from the beginning, and the wastewater project. The wastewater project is highlighted in the last few slides, and this is really a flagship program of the MRC um, sampling more than 80 different wastewater treatment plants in um, six different institutions in South Africa. It involves um, substantial capacity development um, in historically disadvantaged institutions, but also this um, research translation and knowledge dissemination aspect. And this is um, really illustrated through an event which was held in February this year, um, where stakeholders were brought together, the, um, some of the historically disadvantaged institutions who are involved, for training programs, um, development of, of written materials and papers um, around the project, um, dissemination of these materials, translation into different languages, and mobilization um, to get this information to the communities, but also to the policymakers, um, where they, they can be translated into concrete actions to address what, what's coming out of the program. And these are just some of the visuals coming out of the, um, that event, which really resulted in a number of um, individuals from these uh, institutions who are involved being trained, not just in the science, but also on the knowledge dissemination side. Um, also, uh, a month ago, we held the MRC Scientific um, Merit Awards, which honor scientific leadership and um, um, excellence within South Africa through platinum awards, gold, silver, and bronze awards, and the presidential award. 
um, and this was a hybrid event um, held to honor these scientists. And then finally, we've um, spent some time despite COVID um, meeting in person with a number of international delegations, which have been very important in expanding our international um, partnerships on the continent and, and um, more broadly. So this was a delegation from um, Kenya, particularly um, colleagues from Kemri, to look at um, opportunities for collaboration. And this was a delegation from the European Union, including um, German and Belgian government, KFW and others, to look at, uh, again, forging collaborations and particularly around the mRNA hub. And then just quickly, I'll just say two slides. So obviously we watch the media in our, and make sure that we're not involved in any negative media. And this slide just shows our monthly media reviews. And this is February, uh, um, either positive or neutral and uh, spending around, um, let's just go to the next slide. Um, uh, you know, our media influence contributes about eight, eight worth of eight million rand worth of um, uh, uh, worth of um, emphasis or impact. And this just shows you the various um, things. Uh, we've got a lot of press on the mRNA hub and excess deaths. And then, you know, I, um, um, the MRC social media in Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. And we just want to thank you um, for this and, and, and appreciate your patience with us as we had to deal with a couple of um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, power, power outages and load shedding. And so we had to move our computers around and, our, and so we apologize for the, uh, the hustle and bustle in the boardroom. But thank you very much. Thank you very much for the presentation to uh, you and your team there, uh, Professor Gray. There are quite a number of members who want to engage with your presentation. I'm going to mention them in order, uh, and I'm going to repeat this. It's Honorable Skela, Ismail, Tembequayo, Siwela, Chirwa, Clark, Munyai, Harvard, Wilson. Skela, Ismail, Tembequayo, Siwela, Chirwa, Clark, Munyai, Harvard, Wilson. Um, and then I would, at the end, also have some engagement with you. Honorable members, we should try to finish at five minutes to 12. So I would switch on my camera when you have too many questions to raise. We're already running a little bit behind schedule. So uh, when I switch my camera on, please be mindful. You have another few seconds to wrap up if I notice that you have too many questions which you ask. Thank you very much. In that order. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Let me welcome the presentation from MRC. I've got a few questions that I want to ask Chairperson. My first question, uh, the coronavirus pandemic has demonstrated the importance of research um, and development funding and support for innovation. What lessons has uh, the council learned from the pandemic experience and how can the council uh, sustain a higher level of impact as demonstrated by our scientists in responding to the pandemic and other health needs? Um, my second question, program four is a critical program for the nation and as a building human capability and capacity 
enable uh, sustainable development? What is the level of demand for the financial support by the entity? And what uh, percentage of uh, uh, applicants get awarded funding for research and for academic learning? My third question, uh, the year 2020-2021 has demonstrated the repeat uh, increase in impact by the cancer in all four output indicators of program five, um, focusing on uh, translating new knowledge into policies and practices to improve health. The current year and the outer year are projected to be a, a relate, relatively a constant. A what support can enabling the council to increase its impact in this program as this program reflects uh, the impact of research undertaken by the council. Uh, my last question, Chairperson, uh, what will be the impact of the uh, projected uh, 0.3% decrease in the total revenue in the medium term expenditure framework and what other in, uh, streams can be can the council develop in order to increase its uh, revenue base thank you chair good morning chair good morning everybody and thank you for the presentation and um, you know a huge thank you to the MRC for the good work that you are doing. I just have a few clarity-seeking questions. My first question: Please advise what type of skills, critical skills, does the MRC use? Uh, my second question: Where is the 50, 55.7 million rand funding required for the eight infrastructure projects going to be sourced from? And please advise, you know, uh, if any bids have been approved for these major projects. Uh, my last question, to what extent has the MRC traversed on finding a breakthrough for various types of cancers in the country? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chairperson, and uh, thanks for the presentation. I've got only one question uh, based on priority six, the representation of designated groups across occupation level, specifically the HR transformation practices. And furthermore, you expanded the definition of transformation to include past, present, and future. But under staff profile for 31st March, specifically under top management, there still exist gender disparities. Under top management, there are only three black African males versus zero black African female. Explain why is it like this? And when are you going to make sure that there is gender balance in top management post? Thank you, Chen. Thank you, Chairperson. Let me also welcome the presentation and thank the entity for its good work. So I have got a few questions. The first one is, 
What is the progress on the implementation of the Employment Equity Plan? And what challenges does the entity experience in relation to transformation? The second question is, noting the weakness of the South African Medical Research Council of lack of biostatisticians, what is the council doing to ensure that it develops biostatisticians and what is the training capacity of the council and how many graduates are absorbed yearly? Thirdly, what research is the entity undertaking on indigenous knowledge system and their promotion? What are the causal factors of the lack of synergy between intramural researchers? And lastly, what are the factors contributing to the lack of explo- exploitation of collaboration with national entities to enhance health research and which entities is the council currently collaborating with? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and good morning to my colleagues and the SAMRC. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, I would like to know because um, I see in, 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 in the document you sent us, you note neonatal deaths as a persisting issue. Besides the usual issues with infrastructure and negligence, lack of um, human resource and public health facilities, what, what, what is the other contributing factor um, to this persisting issue? And number two, um, I want to ask about the nature of, of, of the MOU you entered with into with the NIH of America. What what do we benefit from it? Um, Why is it important? I'm asking because the NIH actually lists the SAMRC as one of their top funders. So are you funding them or were you funding them and then you got into an agreement? Um, And in what capacity are you funding them? Because they list you as one of their top funders. Um, And I, I want to know what this what this thing of us funding America is through the SAMRC um, and how much have they invested back? Because I see you put 45 million rand there as the money you're spending on this agreement with them. How much are they investing back into this partnership that you have with them? And number three, I want to find like the funding demographics are still not clicking and this is a persisting issue. Like now I think I'm going to raise issues that... Uh, we've pretty much raised before from 2019. And I think that's why it's important to raise them again because they're not being addressed properly. Um, from 2019, what has been the increase in ratio in the amount of black people you are funding? So what's the difference between 2019 and 2022 in the percentage that you are funding black people as compared to, to, to 2019? And subsequently, uh, are you still funding more white people at a higher percentage than their ratio that they represent demographically? Because to say we are funding 72% of black people and we are funding 15% or 20% of white people is still not justice. Uh, we are in a country that requires equity to fix the mistakes, not even the mistakes, to fix the crimes of the past, which have still not been addressed. So equality would be 80% of funding going to black people. That would be uh, equality. 
equity, on the other hand, would require a much higher margin. And you're not reaching this particular margin, even though we've been raising it for the past three years. You guys are about to exit in six months. You've essentially failed in this term to deal with the issue of transformation. And I want to know what the insistence is on failing because you can just make these decisions and fund 80% minimum of black people on new entrants and stuff like that and fix the issue of top management. Because the last time you said you had a step aside uh, a situation, what has been the update since 2019? How many, how many people have stepped aside um, um, since, since 2019? Uh, because the fact that we are still on almost 50% in top management it is honestly just bad that it's still the case even today because these are issues that were raised in 2019. In 2019, there still isn't solid, tangible evidence that you're working hard to address the issue of transformation. You are the worst performing entity when it comes to transformation. Literally, of all the entities in the NTOH, SAMRC is the worst performing when it comes to transformation. What is the insistence? Because it's not like we're telling you new things. These are not new things. These are not new concerns. These are not new questions. Why are you not doing it? Why are you not transforming the top management? And there, there shouldn't be anything peculiar about the SAMRC because other entities are doing it, even outside of the Ministry of Health. Why is transformation such a bad, like, why is it such a hard thing? Why is the insistence to keep the top management white in South Africa? And then lastly, um, I want to find out on the adverse effects of vaccination. Um, according to your monitoring, um, what kind of depth do you guys apply um, to, 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 to research the issue of adverse effects? Uh, how are the monitoring systems for this? Is this information only gathered through the reported cases that are reported to you? Or is there like a more in-depth and ongoing investigation and analysis on, on the health of persons who have been vaccinated um, what have been the most common adverse effects uh, in South Africa and how many people of the investigation or the analysis or the study was this based on? Um, please also share the ratio concerning this particular thing. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chairperson. Honorable members, I'm going to make a request. I see many of you do not switch your cameras on. The problem, yeah, with the data chippers, that, you know, with our bandwidth is so low at the moment, we're battling, yeah. It's load shedding, it's network issues in the township. Those are ANC problems. Maybe you should ask the ANC government why they aren't resolving the problems that are affecting our work. If you're going to ask a manipulative question, this is not what I was asking for. Please respect my position here. Not have context in your questions. Others don't ask us questions that we don't have power of. No, you but don't have the power to talk like you make up what the presenters are saying. We keep getting I'm getting kicked out because now. there's load Honorable shedding. Do you not know there's load shedding in South Africa and that it's affecting businesses and also our work? Do you not know this? Thank you. Honorable Clark, please continue. Thank you, Chairperson. A major focus mentioned in the APP is a focus on the top 10 causes of death. Can you kindly list the top five current causes of death in South Africa? Under the NHI, do you foresee the risk of diminishing funding increasing? Does the entity have a plan in place to mitigate this risk? Three, 
For the 22-23, there is an estimated decrease in the number of accepted and published journals. What are the reasons for this estimated decrease? Four, once the NHI is implemented, do you foresee funding for research and innovation to diminish? If so, what are the associated risks? Then five, can you confirm that the sugar tax that is levied by a national government is used in terms of diseases like obesity and diabetes? And what programs have, be, have been put in place in order to assist to mitigate these, these uh, the treatment, uh, these diseases in order to assist in terms of treatment? Then um, just in terms of mental health, um, if you could just give me a clarity in terms of mental health. Um, many hospitals we visited, you know, we find that mental health um, wards are overcapacitated and that um, uh, patients have to be placed into overflow wards because our hospitals just can't cope with mental health and in particularly in terms of substance abuse and, and what is being put in place to, to try and assist to mitigate um, the causes of mental health. And then um, I'd just like to get some, just a clarity-seeking clarity question in terms of COVID currently. Um, you are saying that your funding has been cut by national government um, will you be able to continue your research and how would you maintain your research in terms of new variants that emerge? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much indeed, Honourable honorable, um, Chairperson. I must welcome the powerful presentation and the progress that SAMRC has made beyond any other institution within the Republic. First and foremost, Honorable Chair, it is the only organization that generated a new generation of scientists, African scientists, Indian scientists, uh, you know, colored scientists, uh, white scientists, South African scientists, proudly South African scientists. By the way, I must proudly say that the Constitution of South Africa want to see this country to have the black and white diverse South Africans, not one single race over the other. And we appreciate your concentration on the transformation of the new scientists. There's no need, uh, Prof. Uh, Glenda Gray, for you to step any down, anyhow. You still have a long work to do. If you are doing a great work, we must appreciate it, and you must stay on and hold on and continue to serve this country, especially with pandemic of COVID-19. My first, my first question is the following. The mRNA, mRNA uh, this is a, a messenger a technology transfer app, has potential to developing the product domestically. How is this project going to increase other innovation in the ecosystems and in the ecosystem? And how can we, how can as the nation, optimize on this potential of uh, genomic medicine? 
in the context of the RNA messenger. Thank you. Especially vaccines. Because there's issues of genetics uh, transformation. Thanks. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I just have a few questions. Also, thank you for the presentation. That's uh, fruitful. First one, what is the strategic alignment of MRC with the Department of Science and Innovations decadal plan and how integrated is the Council with the National and the Continental Innovation System? Second one, how can the Council increase research and development investment into the South African economy? And what is the extent of the current impact of the entity in relation to RD? Third question, the research grant awarded by the Council is constant at 750. Why is this target not on the incline, noting the importance and the need of increased funding for research? Last question. The projections of Program 2, focusing on leading the generation to new knowledge, is relatively declining in relation to the number of accepted and published journals such as articles and book chapters and tea by grant holders and journal articles published with the first or last author relative to previous financial years. Why are the projections declining than increasing? I thank you. Thank you, Chairperson, and, and thank you to the SAMRC. Um, if nothing else, your presentations are always extremely thorough and very, very well presented. And um, we must give credit always to a job that is well done. And I think that the MRC does tremendous work. In principle, I'm covered by colleagues who've spoken before me. I would just like, um, and it's always a major concern, and, and I think this was raised by the Honourable Clark with regards to the the, the highest number of instances of death, and in particular, I'm interested um, in cancer. Um, recent, or over the last couple of years, in your presentations, you discussed extensively the increase of cancer and the causes of cancer. Um, and if you could just share us some of the um, statistics that you've got in terms of the increase of cancer, we did see big increases at one stage. Um, but as for the rest of my questions, they are answered. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Any other member I had left out? Sorry, it's Chair, not... if I may. Sorry, Chair. I, I did speak about cancer. I would also appreciate we are seeing, or I am seeing, and I, I'm not sure if everybody else is, a huge increase in cases of Parkinson's disease. Um, any information they could share with us uh, with regards to Parkinson's and, and what what the causes are, why we're seeing increases in Parkinson's, I'd appreciate that too. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. And let me also welcome the presentation and thank you for a wonderful and thorough presentation that you have done this morning.
I have a number of issues and questions I want to raise with you. The first one is about your position, the position of the Council on the trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights waiver to enable domestic manufacturing of vaccine, therapeutics and diagnostics in the country and the continent to meet Africa's health needs and what work is the Council undertaking in this regard. Noting that in South Africa, full operationalization of the mRNA hub has been hampered by intellectual property barriers. What are these barriers and how are they being addressed to unlock growth? And how is the council going to ensure that the Chan Soon Cheong Foundation partnership develops domestic manufacturing value chains in the biomanufacturing sector to ensure inclusive economic development? What is the level of uptake of research and innovation produced by the SAMRC by other government institutions? And does the council find the uptake at the required level? What are the plans of the SAMRC to support the development or the department on the development of a functional and effective state pharmaceutical company, Ketlapela, and what partnerships can the council develop with Ketlapela if none exist? And finally, it has been raised on the, uh, your senior management representation uh, by when would you be have this equity uh, going to have this representation corrected at the senior level in terms of the demographics of South Africa. And uh, without you, of course, losing any necessary expertise from the organization. There are many questions which now have been raised. We are 10 minutes past 11, uh, Professor Glenda Gray. I'm still going to maintain. I'd like to have this meeting completed by five minutes to 12. You're very welcome to respond to all of these points which were raised. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, um, I, th I think what we'll do is, um, you know, uh, we'll go across the room and um, um, I'll start with some of the questions and then um, the ones that, and then there'll be others that will that will expand on, on some of them. And, um, and um, we'll ask, um, well, I think we need to pick up that picture on the transformation of the top management. Maybe show that, that picture again. So just to start off with, um, with Honourable Member Gela, uh, she, she asked about um, the importance of coronavirus research and what lessons have we learned and how can we sustain um, this high level of impact. So I think the importance, um, we, we learned a lot of lessons, um, uh, the importance of surveillance, um, both um, uh, human surveillance and surveillance of wastewater, which we can take forward in, in, in the future. Um, we learned about the importance of um, investment in local diagnostics um, and, um, and working with SAPRA to, to register these diagnostics and to make sure that we supported the introduction of high-quality diagnostics um, in, in, um, in, in South Africa. We also... Um, uh, learned about the value of um, uh, good, robust clinical trials in evaluating other um, repurposed drugs or uh, new drugs and, and their role in, in COVID-19, as well as the importance of collaborating on, on COVID vaccine research. 
And these lessons we can take forward um, 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 in, in apply this not only into infectious diseases, but also into non-communicable diseases. So I think the surveillance is important. We've heard about cancer. We've heard about increasing incidences of Parkinson's. And we've heard about um, um, the role of other non-communicable diseases. Surveillance is very important. And so, you know, we will need to work with NAPISA and um, if, um, if, if it gets established and with the NICD to make sure that we understand the burden of disease and how it's changing over time. And I think coronavirus, the um, COVID-19 has helped us. It also has um, highlighted the gap in our ability to make vaccines and drugs. And we can get onto that um, with a state-owned uh, company and with the mRNA hub, and that we have to invest be, um, beyond just um, establishing the value of the drugs or therapeutics, but also make sure we're involved in the the, 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 manufact the, the manufacturing and distribution. But therein also lies the issue around the the, the big the politics of global procurement and and how um, how we have to build in redundancy if we are going to go into that field uh, around uh, vaccine development. Um, the issue around um, capacity development. Um, uh, um, um, what is what you know? So the question was, what is the level of demand? Um, uh, and percentage of applicants who get awarded. So basically, we're seeing an increase. In, uh, so first of all, you know, we've invested a lot in this capacity development, and um, we're seeing an increase. Um, I think slide, if you look at slide 67, it's over there. We're seeing um, um, an increase in um, in um, the budget that we have put in to, to capacity development from 61,000 in 2018, mm -hmm. 19, sorry, 61 million in 2018, 19 to to 80, 88 um, million um, in uh, 2021. Um, these these programs are, um, are are peer reviewed, so we have we on an on an annual basis we have calls uh, for for students to apply. Um, they, there's a peer review process and um, and um, a process that um, is governed by steering committees that um, evaluate each candidate to make sure that. Um, we fund. Um, we we we're funding in the areas that we need to fund, and we're funding in the the institutions that we have to fund in, and we fund in the the demographics to take into account some of the issues around around transformation. So so that just to answer that question, in terms of um, twenty um, twenty twenty one, um, if you can see, do you want to answer that question and answer it? No, you can answer. Honourable. Okay. Member, uh, so, so the, the question was around the outer years in terms of the goal five. Uh, I have to indicate that goal five in some instances is embedded in terms of funding uh, within other strategic goals, particularly strategic goal number two. And uh, so you've asked us what support is needed to, to increase the, 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 the targets. As we've indicated earlier on, this is a new, uh, this is a new goal that we didn't have before. And uh, given the fact that, uh, you know, the funding is, is decreasing, as uh, Nick has indicated, we were a bit conser conservative in terms of what we can achieve. However, uh, we are looking at other avenues to, uh, to allocate funding to this uh, strategic goal. And we can certainly do that once we've got funding and try to uh, adjust our targets for the, for, the, for the NTF period going forward beyond 2022 and 2023. Yeah, and so the question about the impact of decreased revenue um, will mean less research unless we can leverage our capabilities um, with, with other people. We continue to look at other streams and maybe Shelley will talk about commercialization aspects, um, issues around commercialization and, um, 
and and how we can bring in other uh, revenue streams. So we'll she'll she'll talk about that. Um, uh, the honourable member Ismail spoke about what skills um, do we do we um, see. So we see so depending on the area of it that we're looking at, we see a multiple shortage of skills. And I think the, our biggest at the moment, if we want to position ourselves for the fourth industrial revolution, that our biggest skills is a biggest scarcity of skills is in big data. So that's biostatisticians, uh, bioinformaticians, um, and people who can manage um, metadata. And we've we, um, which includes IT support in it, and, and we are addressing that um, in terms of, of, of the big data. There are other, there are other um, critical skills um, in genomics, and we've continued to invest in that in, the, in both the wet and the dry labs around genomics, which includes both virologists and bioinformatics and people who can visualize um, uh, pathogens. Um, in, in terms of clinical research, um, obviously um, um, making sure that we have well-trained clinical researchers um, um, is a priority for us, and um, we have a whole aspect of training, um, and we, as, as, as indicated by the Bongani Mayoti um, um, uh, scholarship. In terms of the um, uh, uh, breakthroughs in cancer, so we 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 spend a lot of um, we we're doing a lot of basic uh, science or fundamental science on 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 cancer and um, in and the role of precision medicine. Um, in cancer, and have funded um, a lot of programs, which um, um, Michelle can talk about in terms of our precision medicine um, program um, in cancer. Um, that's looking at ways of, of innovative ways of, of, of identifying and diagnosing um, um, uh, a cancer, breast cancer, as we, sh we showed, as well as um, 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 the um, issue around uh, 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 looking at um, um, cancers in, in various parts of, of the country and, and how to respond. Um, we're seeing an increase in prostate cancer, um, and we're also seeing um, you know, a, a, a decline in the diagnosis of, of breast cancer. Obviously, in, in terms of, of the current um, um, COVID pandemic has seen a, a lot of fall off in, in our ability to, to um, use um, uh, nuclear medicine and, and, and other interventions for, for, for the treatment of cancer, but um, uh, uh, Liesl, our VP, will talk more about it. In terms of our infrastructure, um, we have, um, it, this is coming from our reserves, and um, we'll give um, um, our CFO some time um, at the end to, to talk about some of these things, but the 55.7 million infrastructure budget uh, that's, that has been approved yeah, does come from our reserves, and Nick, you can talk a little bit more about it um, in the future. Um, in terms of um, the um, in, in terms of priority six, um, uh, uh, honourable member Tembikwani uh, asked about um, the, um, the the designated uh, groups um, and the issues around um, trans uh, um, uh, um, uh, transformation and gender disparity. So we we are a predominantly female um, organisation. If you could just show that slide. So um, if we look at our, uh, not that one, um, an HR. Okay, let's just go to the overall part of the organization, self-profile. So generally, um, at all levels um, of the organization, we are predominantly women. And that reflects the health sector all in all. So um, around 70% of um, our staff are women and, um, and around 88% um, of our staff are black. So we have around 10% 10, 10 of our staff are white. 
um, overall. So we have 68 white people in the in the organization, 310 African, 24 foreign nationals, 82 Indians, um, and 140 coloreds. And so we are um, so, so so we are predominantly a black organization and a female organization. We have the next slide. In terms of top management, um, and this is the EMCD, um, we are also predominantly women. So we are 62% of top management are females. It's one African, two coloreds, and two whites. And, um, and, um, and of the men, there are two Africans and one white. Yeah. So in total, there are three white uh, people on EMC, two of which of them are women. There are two coloreds. Uh, people on, um, on, on EMC, and those are also two women, and three, um, and three African uh, people on EMC, one, one woman and, and, um, and two, two men. Let's just go to the other one. Um, the, the, I, I guess um, the issue around the top management is this, um, this, this, this yeah. the senior. senior. So this is senior management. This excludes the top management. So senior management is... Are the are the people that are unit directors um, and, um, and 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 most of these people have been in the organisation um, and are permanently employed you know for many years. The the the, the 22 white people seen um, at the at the top there, 11 females and 11 men are are mostly people that are exiting the organisation as they retire. So these aren't new a new injection. Um, of white people. These are people that have been in the organization uh, uh, forever and are nearing retire retirement. And in terms of our senior management, um, in terms of Africans, there are three, two females, which we worked, um, um, and, one, and one male. Um, and then in terms of Indians, it's been four, four females and four males, and coloreds, four males and six women. And in terms of foreign nationals, uh, four males and to females. The distribution you can see at the bottom, um, it's around 50-50 um, uh, uh, between men and women at the top management level. And there you see the pie graph that shows the distribution um, by race. And um, our HR manager can talk a little bit further about it, but, but you know, we can also, in the next time, supply the ages of the people that we're representing so you can get a feel of, um, of, of how the organization is moving forward. So I hope that answers the, the, the question around that. In terms of um, um, uh, members, Siwala asked about the progress. Um, sorry, I couldn't read my writing. In relation to translation. So I think um, in terms of um, we'll get some, I think we'll get um, HR and um, Angela to talk about um, the progress made in terms of what are our challenges. Um, our challenges are obviously um, uh, um, uh, the health research. Um, you know, it's it, um, it, 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 um, it's a particularly particular niche part of society, and um, not every um, you know most people who do health research come from the health system: doctors, nurses, OT, pharmacists, and and so I guess that, that some of those um, issues around attracting. Um, that kind of people into science, but we can we can we'll expand upon that later. In terms of the our weaknesses, what are we doing about our weaknesses in biostatisticians? So we we collaborate with the NRF, and we've developed a a, a Saatchi chair in biostatistics, um, and we we 
co-fund this with the NRF to basically bring in a whole, a whole um, pool of biostatisticians. And we also um, are um, addressing that by um, having specific calls. We have a collaboration with uh, Belgium where um, we work with them and they help us fast track our biostatistical program. And that, that's, quite, um, that's, that's, that's worked out quite well. And um, we also are looking at, um, at uh, bringing in honours and masters students and, 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 and developing them into biostatisticians bias in the MRC that can help feed um, the, um, the universities. But, it, but it, is an, it, is a, it is on our, uh, our agenda and we have got some innovative ways to, to, to uh, work with that. Um, and, um, and we'll continue to work on that um, with the various um, institutions, um, in particular the NRF as well. In terms of the indigenous knowledge system, what are we doing? Um, we 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 um, we spend a lot of we we put a lot of good programs on indigenous knowledge system, and we've been working with a whole lot of um of people. And Shelley can talk a little bit about it further. But um, we've been working with a group of um traditional healers in Newcastle, who've who've got some compounds that have antiviral activities, and we've been working with um the DUT and them. To, to to further evaluate that, um, we 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 fund a a, a, a intramural, uh, extramural units on indigenous indigenous knowledge, knowledge system, and it, actually within the MRC itself, um, we have a whole lot of programs where we evaluate uh, um, molecules that have been identified um, to see whether they have any activities, and we have a whole program on non-communicable diseases that evaluates. Um, 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 RKS molecules to see whether they can work in things like diabetes. And Michelle, you can you can expand on that in terms of that. Um, uh, um, Honourable Member Chua from the EFF asked about the neonatal deaths and what other factors are contributing um, to neonatal deaths despite in in a um, ex excluding um, health health system um, um, problems. So there are there are a lot of there are a lot of causes um, for for neonatal deaths, and there are a lot of reasons why um, very little progress has made has been made in infant mortality rate because um, the neonatal mortality rate drives this. And causes of death um, in the neonatal um, um, period include things like prematurity, which one has to address through um, um, adequate antenatal care and and um, trying to maintain uh, to avert um, premature. Maturity and there are a lot of causes for prematurity, um, like um, 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 sepsis and um, diabetes and hypertension. So address maternal causes um, that lead to prematurity. And then there's also issues around sepsis. You know, so there's a groupy strep and um, and also nosocomial or uh, sepsis that occurs in, in in the hospitals that contribute to to death. And then there's things like birth asphyxia. Um, and um, and that, but the driving cause of of neonatal deaths is is usually in, in infections um, in that period, and um, um, often related to 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 children that um, um, are find themselves in hospital for, for prematurity or needed to be ventilated. Um, HIV also a contributor, and um, and other other maternal factors um, that that render like birth asphyxia and hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy that um, are, 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 are there. So we do a lot of programs in, in the neonatal arena. Um, and I think one of the things that one of the best, um, how we can really decrease the neonatal deaths uh, will be the introduction of a group B strep vaccination. 
to try and prevent um, babies dying from groupie strep. And Liesl, I think you'll, you'll talk a little bit more about that. In terms of the, um, the, the um, issue with the NIH, so we have a lot of um, um, uh, um, collaborations uh, with, with many institutions. Um, we have a collaboration with the NIH. We have a collaboration with um, China CDC. Uh, we have a collaboration with um, the British UKMRC, with the Canadian Institute for Health Research. And um, in this program, um, in this program that, that you bring up, um, we, we um, partner with the NIH. It's 45 million from South Africa. And uh, this is matched um, one and a half times by, by the U.S., and, and basically what we do is have a, a, a request for applications and South African scientists um, together with their U.S. counterparts apply all the money, in fact, comes back to South Africa. So, um, so, so um, even though we contribute 45 million, the U.S., the NIH contributes uh, one and a half times more and all the money is returned um, for research in South Africa and not one dime is spent in the U.S. So, in fact, uh, there is huge benefit for South Africa. In in terms of other be benefits for the NIH, if you, go, if you go on the NIH website too, you will see that South Africa is, is, is one of the biggest beneficiaries, of, actually the, the biggest beneficiary of NIH funding outside America. And so you can go look on the website and you'll see that um, billions of dollars are poured into South Africa for research. And I'll, and I'll give an example of um, um, our COVID vaccine research. So South Africa was um, a, um, a, an NIH-funded co-VPN site. We had 33 clinical trial sites in South Africa, and, um, and, and, and basically the, the funding came directly from the U.S., and it was about um, around uh, – that trial cost about uh, all in all around um, $350 million um, at, a, at a global level. Um, we, we also um, work with, 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 um, with the NIH on – a uh, study looking at um, COVID vaccines in HIV-infected people with an mRNA um, program, and this um, th this funding is around uh, 250 million dollars. So a lot of lot of money uh, for the 45 million rand that we give to to the NIH. We benefit greatly from this collaboration and other collaborations of other health institutions at a global level, and not only America. Um, in terms of um, um, the funding demographics. Um, I think we can we can show you the slides on that. I think we'll go we'll come back to that um, the ratio. But to show you, if you have a look at the program um, four, um, if you have a look at this uh, slide fifty six, you can see um, we count uh, the number of um, of um, so we can show you as an indicator the number of uh, black South Africans that benefit uh, from. Our, um, our, our awards as compared to, to, to the other demographic, um, um, the other um, people in our country. So you'll be able to see that um, and we'll be able to count that. Um, in terms of the, um, since 2014, we've been evaluating who we fund, where we fund and how we fund. And um, we've already showed you slides that have showed a, a marked decline um, to to, um, uh, to, uh, to awards that are going to white people. And, and maybe we can show you year and year and things have changed since 2019 quite substantially. And maybe on our next, the next time we have a parliamentary committee meeting, we'll show you over time how the demographics have changed so that you can see. So we'll, we will present pie graphs 
of our self-initiated research grants, of our, of our people who we're funding, um, who we're funding the RFAs, so that you can see over time how things have changed. And certainly I, I want to tell you that things have changed since 2019, a lot of movement. Um, in terms of um, um, the member, member, uh, Honourable Member Clark, she asked about the 10 causes of death. So um, the, in, um, in the last, during the pandemic, COVID has outstripped HIV and TB as the leading cause of death, but COVID, HIV and TB remaining, remain our top causes of death um, and they're infectious disease related. The next group um, are the NCDs, and these are a combination of diabetes, hypertension, ischemic heart disease and stroke, and then, um, and then, um, um, and then uh, other NCD-related illnesses like, like cancer, um, but Lisa will, will, will talk about that further. In, in, um, and when, she, when, when we move over to her. I mean, in terms of NHR research, will, when, will the NHR diminish research? Um, I don't think so. I think um, to have an effective NHR, you're going to have to have a research is critical. Research is critical to inform NHR, particularly um, in its various ambits. NHR um, will focus on prevention and, promo prevention and, um, and promotive health research, uh, health, which we can feed into. Um, um, uh, it'll also um, focus on, on, on the management, the early management of non-communicable diseases like T diabetes, hypertension, and we'll be able to um, um, monitor the impact of early, uh, of early treatment of, of, of things like um, hypertension and diabetes. And then also uh, NHR, it's, it's critical for, for the MRC to work uh, with the NDIH around NHR to understand um, the, um, the the costing, um, the the financial impacts, and the outputs in the, in terms of, of curative medicine. So so I think that um, to 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 execute NHR efficiently, um, you're going to have to work very closely um, with researchers so that there's a lot of transparency around um, the value and the impact that NHR has. Um, and so in terms of um, uh, you know in terms of mitigating risk around the NHR. We continue to work very closely um, um, with the NDOH. We are, our scientists work a lot with the costing, um, with the um, financial, um, the, the best, the best buys, and um, the role of, of various interventions and how much it costs the country. Um, we, we spoke a little bit about the, the decreased benefit outputs. Um, these are just conservative, um, you know, because we don't know what our budgets are going to look like, so we put conservative numbers in. But um, we always, um, we, you know, you will see over time um, that, um, you know, as uh, depending on our budget, you know, we can we can more calibrate, we can calibrate better um, the numbers of, of articles that we will be doing in, in the future. And so just that we don't, just to reemphasize, we don't see that NHR will diminish um, uh, the the role or the amount of money that comes into into science. In fact, it should it should um, uh, increase it because it's critical for NHR to succeed to do health research. The sugar tax goes into the treasury, and I guess it's a it's a good question to ask um, um, treasury how um, how what proportion of the money that NDOH gets and the MRC gets is related to sugar. But I can't answer that question at the moment. Mental health is a big problem in South Africa, and um, and uh, um, and particularly post COVID, we've seen a lot of um, mental health issues. And so um, we have invested, we have a, a, a extramural unit that, that works, uh, two extramural units that work in health, mental health. We've done surveys at universities to, to look at mental health. 
and we're doing a lot of other research around the mental health, which um, um, my colleagues can elaborate on. Um, um, I can't read what you're saying there. What's up over capacity? Yeah. That so we all know, yeah. What yeah. assistance do we yeah. put in there? In the words, the words are overcapacitated. Sorry, that's on my next page. Um, in terms of um, the, the health system, we, we've invested a lot in the health systems research um, and, and to try and support um, innovative responses in the health system. And, um, and um, well, well, our health systems research unit in, um, at, uh, both at University of Western Cape and in our intramural domain uh, work with the Department of Health around um, uh, addressing um, interventions that will uh, mitigate um, mental health issues. Um, but it's very important uh, to continue to say that. You want to say something, Jay? No, it's I can't read your handwriting. I can't read your handwriting. Okay, so let, let me let, let me finish, and then what I've missed, then you you know, I'll let me finish, and then what I've missed, then you you guys can pick up. So I, otherwise, I'm I'm losing my stream here. In terms of um uh um the issue around science, you know, the the new generation scientists are critical, um, and we continue to ensure that they are diverse. We focused a lot on HDIs and I spent a lot of work um, 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 uh, in, in that area. Um, in terms of the question around um, mRNA hubs from our honorable member, um, we hope that the mRNA technology will work, will go beyond um, just the um, uh, COVID-19, but will work, uh, but will help us develop capacity in HIV and TB and malaria. And so once we perfected the mRNA platform and it perfected how it works, then we can start looking at putting different genes and immunogens into the platform uh, to look at other diseases like HIV, TB, and even things like influenza um, as well. So I think the mRNA hub, and sorry, as well as cancer, um, cancer vaccines. So the mRNA technology is going to be very critical um, in, in helping us expand biomanufacturing capability and that, um, that um, for us um, in South Africa at a domestic level, it's going to be very important, um, um, particularly also around genomic medicine um, um, uh, and how we do, um, we look at things like gene editing and, and, and things like that. Um, genomic medicine is important and um, that's why we established that whole genome um, sequencing unit um, at, well, in collaboration with the Beijing Genome Institute to create capability to help us with precision medicine. And um, Shelley can, can expand on that. Um, there was a question about um, from um, Councillor Harvard about uh, um, whether we work with the decadal plan and the innovation system and the Department of Science and Innovation. So we've worked very, very closely with the DSI and, you know, we, we um, helped um, we reviewed the decadal plan and gave input into it. And um, myself, um, I'm on the NRF. I'm on the NRF board, the, the, the minister of um, the DSI, DH, D, uh, uh, Blade Nzamani, has put me on the NRF board. Um, and, and I was also on the, um, and, and, um, on the, what is the other board? What is the other innovation? Um, NACI. I was also on NACI as well, which helped develop the decadal plan. And so we have been um, integral in, in helping design the, the decadal plan and also to making sure that health is reflected well in the innovation system. And we put a lot, gave a lot of emphasis, emphasis about that. Um, the, in terms of um, um, 
how research can help the South African um, economy. We definitely believe, and um, and Chelly will go in, back into that about the the need to develop um, local innovation around drug development and vaccines and drug diagnostics. Diagnostics are horrendously expensive and um, um, are more expensive than vaccines. And um, and so we also need to invest in um, in developing um, points of care diagnostics, rapid diagnostics for things so that we don't have to pay the, the huge costs um, from using um, 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 uh, uh, various platforms that, that we have to import into South Africa. Um, um, so I'm going to um, go on to my next question, and that was from the councillor, um, I mean, sorry, from um, uh, Honourable Member Wilson around cancer. As I mentioned before, um, uh, I think, Lisa, you'll cover the cancer bit so, um, and about the issue around Parkinson's, which is a genetic issue, but Lisa will carry um, continue that. Chair, you asked about the TRIPS agreement and uh, what will work differently, and that, that is critical, and maybe... Um, our collaboration with the medicines uh, patent pool uh, will address some of the TRIPS um, issues and um, and also some of our collaboration with with people that um, actually um, helped some of the mRNA technology. So part of our uh, scientific steering uh, team um, consists of people that actually developed the mRNA, mRNA technology that have agreed to support our own development. Yeah. And so, in fact... Um, um, in some instances, um, we don't have to worry about patents because we're in the discovery zone uh, because we are working in, in, in other areas. In terms of um, the, the patents, Shelley will talk a little bit about some of it, but uh, sometimes it's, um, it's important to focus on what, what is patentable. And we've addressed some of that by looking at the lipid carriers, which I think Moderna uh, talks a lot about, and then but if we use our own lipid carriers and, you know, we, 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 we can bypass the kind of patent issues that some of the companies have put into place where the medicines patent pool has, 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 um, has been working with us where patents have been, um, have been, um, uh, um, um, are not going to be implementable for certain degrees. And you'll talk a little bit about that, actually, when we go in. Um, in terms of, um, um, the Patrick Sunxiong biomanufacturing, um, we do have to make sure it's inclusive um, and, um, and that uh, we develop the capacity to, to do this um, and make sure that um, you know, uh, we are able to support this biomanufacturing um, um, you know, in South Africa. Of course, it's of great concern because we just read in the newspapers on the weekend that um, Aspen's um, manufacturing is, is under threat because there is no demand for um, the vaccines in Africa. And I guess that's when South Africa needs to talk about the, the governance of global procurement and see how if we do create a manufacturing capability in Africa um, that um, our goods will be used and that, the, and that we understand the drivers of global procurement and that um, the issues of cost um, are not the only issue that you consider a product, but you also consider uh, the capacity that you can develop if you are sourcing products from other parts of the world, including Africa. So that's going to be a very important um, issue. I think in terms of the um, senior management representation, uh, I think we've showed you that and we can answer more specific questions. But I'm going to let everyone go around the room and answer stuff that I've left out. Maybe start with you, Shelley, with the issues around um, uh, the TRIPS agreement, commercialization, and that, and that. 
Um, there was a question on um, support for a state pharmaceutical company in Ketapela and what partnerships we have in place. Um, so we have been supporting drug development uh, or drug discovery for a number of years through the SHIP program and through various other grant programs. And our role as the MRC is really to feed the pipeline. So, um, you know, we see ourselves as developing those molecules which will feed into a state pharmaceutical entity that will produce these APIs in future. Um, obviously, we will also play a role in um, supporting the clinical development and so on. So we really are poised to support that um, state institution or state uh, company um, as soon as it gets off the ground. Um, in terms of um, trips, um, so Glenda has mentioned that, um, you know, how we are approaching it. To be quite honest, when it comes to COVID specifically, we have not seen to date over the last two years intellectual property and existing patents as any barrier at all um, in terms of local manufacture and development. We've been able to support the development of new diagnostic kits um, based on existing PCR-based um, um, based testing, but also novel point-of-care tests. And um, IP to date has not been an issue. Um, on the contrary, what we've seen actually is um, a willingness um, from, the, from international companies to share, um, to do technology transfers, to share um, designs, for example, for the ventilator project, etc. So, um, I think the the trips uh, waiver is important in the the grand scheme of things, and will be important to be able to ensure local manufacture. But to date, we have not seen it as um, as I mentioned, IP as as a barrier in terms of the development that we have been funding to date. Um, so the next one I wanted to mention, how can we increase um, R&D investments into the ASA economy and impact? Um, so, so one of the things, and particularly in the face of a declining baseline funding, one of the things that um, has emerged from COVID is this um, um, us being able to tap into non-traditional funders. So we've been, as a result of COVID, really engaging with a much broader range of um, of, uh, of funders who would normally fund more in the health delivery space and are now looking to find more in the development, testing uh, and implementation phase. And so we have been able to really draw in a lot of funding for research and innovation in the country by working, for example, with Solidarity Fund, um, Elma Philanthropies, Michael and Susan Dell Foundation and others. Um, to be able to bring in these sort of non-traditional sources of funding. And in fact, while I'm on that topic, again, um, around the COVID lessons learned, what we have found is that um, with our rapid response to COVID is we've been able to um, accelerate our processes while maintaining the rigor and the scientific review and the PFMA requirements, but to be able to, um, to quickly fund projects We've been able to leverage off existing investments that we've had for the last decade or so uh, in the HIV and TB space, and they've been able to rapidly um, pivot to, to COVID based on, the, on the, um, ex the not just the infrastructure, but the expertise and skills that they've built over many years through, through SMRC investment. And the third thing we've really learned is, um, is to work in a partnership model. We've been able to, for example, in our, in our COVID diagnostics projects, uh, we meet every six weeks to discuss these projects with the DTIC, the IDC, Business for South Africa, 
technology innovation agency um, and with the project themselves so that we can not just drive the projects through and make sure that they're meeting all targets, but also plan for the downstream commercialization and uptake. And this has really resulted in at least two of these products now already being software approved. Uh, and then that brings me to the question around um, engagement with other national entities. Glenda has mentioned the partnership with, which has been instrumental with SAPRA in um, accelerating the vaccine um, trials, but also our engagements with SAPRA on medical devices and registration of these new COVID diagnostics has been instrumental in um, assisting with the product development value chain with the uh, target product profiles and with being able to get these registered and on the market as soon as possible. We also have um, engagements with the NHLS um, and in fact, we're setting up a meeting next week to talk about how we can jointly support projects at um, historically disadvantaged institutions, which is obviously also a key goal for the NHLS. We work closely with the CSRR. We fund some of their projects, but they also are supporting some of our innovation programs. For example, they're providing regulatory advice uh, and support to our medical device innovation projects. And this has really been um, had a substantial impact. We've had about 25 uh, companies and uh, innovators going through that program and receiving advice from the CSR. On the mRNA hub um, and getting back to the IP barriers, so um, the mRNA hub, as you know, is led by the WHO and the Medicines Patent Pool. MPPR are, and both MPP and WHR are involved in substantial discussions at um, an international level around um, freedom to operate. They've done extensive freedom to operate searches, identified which patents might may be a barrier, and they've opened up discussions with the companies like Moderna to secure um, commitments from them not to, um, or to, to, not to, to waive their IPU rights altogether, but not to, to, uh, or to okay. sue for infringement. So in, in other words, to allow for freedom to operate. So that has been um, really important. And as Glenda mentioned, we've got those people who developed the um, original mRNA vaccines on our advisory team. Um, we're looking at novel lipids. Um, there is one lipid that is proprietary that's used in the Moderna um, regimen, which we're looking to replace with locally developed lipids. So we are finding um, ways, uh, you know, IP is not, uh, I mean, there, there are some barriers around IP, but there are, um, you know, we're working very hard. We have an actual uh, IP strategy group within this mRNA tech transfer hub that is looking at those IP issues and how to, to navigate them to ensure that we have the freedom to operate. Um, and yeah, Glenda mentioned how that mRNA hub is going to expand to other disease areas. Not only that, it will allow us obviously to develop um, mRNA-based based vaccines for TB, HIV, and, and other diseases of relevance in Africa. But it's also building the product development capabilities. So the capability to develop and test local um, vaccines, to um, <clears throat> do the immunology, to do the clinical development, and to upscale manufacture. And right now it's based on mRNA-based vaccines, but it can be very, very easily scaled and um, expanded to include other um, uh, bio, biomanufacturing and um, other biomolecules. Um, so, were there any others that you specifically wanted me to cover? Let's go to, um, I left out one question about the vaccine safety, which I can do at the end. But, um, Riesel, do you want to 
can thank you, Linda, um, and thank you, honourable um, members, for the questions. Um, I'm just going to add some of the med uh, address some of the medical issues. Um, I just want to start with the honourable member who asked about the scare skills and. Just to reiterate the fact that we've identified um, bioinformatics, um, uh, genomics, and biostatisticians as a um, scarce skill that we need to develop. And we've developed that not only at a higher level with the NRF and with our extramural units, but also in terms of the emerging scientists that have been um, uh, either funded or have been um, uh, now part of the MRC. And the vast majority of those are also um, young black emerging leaders in that particular area. So preparing them also to be able to lead the front going forward. Um, that also ties in with many of the other answers where we either have the capacity ourselves or we link to capacities at other institutions around, for example, indigenous knowledge, um, in, indigenous health systems, and very importantly, health systems across um, all of these medical questions. Uh, the Honourable Member Chiwa um, spoke about neonatal deaths. Um, just to give you a sense, the 2021 publication mentioned that new um, immaturity-related neonatal deaths are at an all-time high at the moment, 43%. Uh, infection, 26% um, congenital anomaly, 17%, and hypoxia, 11%. And of interest is that many of those actually relate to the health system. So um, uh, immaturity is not just prematurity, but it's also, for example, um, gestational proteinuric hypertension, and then the immature baby being um, born at the end of that. So um, there's a lot of work going in, not only from our maternal and child health units, but also our health system units uh, to try and address those. Um, Glenda mentioned Group B um, strep vaccine, and hopefully some of these um, uh, vaccine pipelines will now be able to um, address some of the other vaccine needs within our country, such as Group B strep, such as Group A strep, um, and perhaps also um, influenza. Um, other issues, um, the Honourable Member Clark spoke about the top five causes of death, and I wanted to just allude to the fact that in our extramural units, as we've mentioned, we're actually focusing on this intersection between infectious disease, TB, HIV, and now COVID, and the uh, non-infectious diseases, um, stroke, um, uh, ischemic um, heart disease, lower respiratory tract infections, and chronic lung disease, chronic kidney disease, and diabetes, and the work that our burden of disease unit has been playing in um, understanding those trends and also noting some of the mitigating factors in that regard. Um, this is something that we are well aware of. Um, if we look at sort of global trends at non-communicable diseases, and now we're starting to include HIV and almost COVID into that, it's taking over as the major cause of death. And there's a whole different set of mitigating factors around that um, that we have to consider. A very strong mitigating factor there is mental health. We're well aware of the fact um, that mental health is a priority at the moment and also has um, a prognostic effect on ischemic heart disease, stroke, um, and diabetes. And I just wanted to mention two um, particular 
programs there. The one is looking at mental health of healthcare workers that were involved in COVID, and then also the mental health around older people, um, two very important programs, looking at those two um, focus groups um, and um, considering innovative ways of addressing the mental health and understanding um, what the various mitigating factors are over there. Um, I wanted to address the issue of journal articles. Um, what we didn't show was perhaps um, the impact factors of some of the articles that have been presented as sort of a cumulative number, and we certainly could do that. What we know of is over the last two years globally, um, some of the journal um, areas have got lower um, as people pivoted to COVID research and we had more COVID publications. Um, but we also have found that what we've seen um, in our performance appraisals is that there are many more um, papers that have higher impact as also um, impact related to policy. Um, the Honourable Member Wilson asked about um, cancer and cancer statistics. Um, very interesting if you look at the different parts of South Africa, the cancer incidents are different. Um, prostate, lung, colorectal, breast and cervical are still of the most common. And here we also are thinking about um, the impact of screening, for example, especially on breast and cervical, and then on vaccines. Um, we see differential rates of cervical cancer according to the differential rates of um, vaccines. Again, raised by our um, Cochrane review, some of the systematic reviews um, pointing to this and our burden of disease um, research unit. Um, there was a comment about Parkinson's disease, very interesting, um, that our um, member, um, I think it was also member Clark, who raised that, as uh, Wilson, that raised that. Um, and again, we've got differential numbers for Parkinson's disease across Africa. What we do know is Parkinson's is associated with a, a longer lifespan. And so we're able to see um, more Parkinson's as we have a longer lifespan. But it's also strongly associated with genomic mutations. Um, the GBA mutation is the single largest risk factor. And as we're understanding um, precision medicine and genomic research, hopefully we'll be able to address those as well. Um, yeah. We are going to run out of time. Okay. It's okay. 12. I'm going to okay. be experiencing load shedding at 12 o'clock. That was my reason for wanting to stop yeah. at five minutes okay. at 12. I think that we've done. I think, you know, I mean, so I think we've basically answered all the questions. Um, there was one question about vaccines, about vaccine side effects, um, but, you know, they... That, those are um, well published um, and um, and well 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 observed uh, both passively and actively, um, you know, in terms of vaccine side effects. So uh, we have a good handle um, on the side effects, and Sarpak maybe in the next meeting can also address some of those issues because they also get direct reports around vaccine yes. side effects. Thank you very much for your presentation. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut quite short because we uh, you've had. Uh, given us very wonderful responses. Also good to listen to all the sciences uh, and hear what are the programs which are being performed by SAMRC um, and the collaboration between the different uh, research entities, institutions and universities, etc. And thank you very much for giving us uh, a proper responses to the questions, but I unfortunately would have to move on now. Um, Thanks. Uh, Thanks very much. All right. You're very welcome. Honorable members, 
Sapra has requested to meet at 1500 hours because of a challenge which they are experiencing. I just want to hear your views and I'm hoping you would agree that we would resume at 1500 hours today. Uh, for the following uh, follow-up, we're going to use exactly the same link again, and uh, we will then talk further at that time. Is there any strong disagreement? And if not, we will then resume our meeting at, uh, at 1,500 hours. Any very last comment from you, Professor Craig? Yeah, just thank you. Thank you very much. We've heard, you know, we've got all your questions. We'll also respond um, and um, put it in our next um, interaction when we meet with you. Yes, thanks very much. It's been a very robust and wonderful interaction. We thank you. We thank the members. We thank all of those who have tuned in to this, this uh, meeting today. This meeting is then adjourned. Thanks. Thank you. Recording stopped. Thank you.